This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hey guys, happy Monday. Welcome to Relatable. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com slash Allie. All right, today we're going to talk about a few things. Mainly, we are going to focus on the transgender, the so-called transgender swimmer named Leah Thomas at the University of Pennsylvania. We have talked about him several times. This is a man who is now identifying and swimming as a woman. And because I don't believe that biology is bigotry, I will use the correct pronouns. That's not me trying to be purposely inflammatory or offensive. I certainly don't want to be that. But because I don't want to lie, I also will not call Leah Thomas she because he is a man. And we are going to look at some of the consequences of his maleness competing against women and how this really is a travesty for women and girls sports. Now, before we get into that, I do want to note a couple things. One, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, currently the best justice on the bench by far. He is in the hospital sick with an infection. Apparently, His symptoms are abating. He is being treated with antibiotics, but we should certainly be praying for him, praying for his quick and full recovery. Obviously, these are lifetime appointments, and so the justices, when they're getting up there, there are all of these very scary moments, these precarious moments where you're wondering really about the fate of your country if a Supreme Court justice who is on the side that you represent, for conservatives, it's on the side of the Constitution, um, it's... It's a little scary. It's a little frightening. But more than that, you care about them as a person. We greatly admire Clarence Thomas on this show. He has a family who I know cares about him a lot. So we should be praying for him. Also, I don't recommend going on Twitter and clicking on the Clarence Thomas hashtag because you will unfortunately see a lot of leftists saying that either they hope that he dies or I saw someone so admirable say that she was taking the high road by saying that she doesn't wish him to die, but she does wish that he is so sick that he is forced into an early retirement. And I tweeted her before she then blocked me. It should really worry you when your high road is that low. I saw someone else say that her high road goes through a valley. And I think that is unfortunately true. We prayed for... Ruth Bader Ginsburg, that she would make a full recovery when she was sick. We said kind words about her when she died. And I think that the same respect, of course, should be afforded to Clarence Thomas from the other side. The jury is still out on whether we will see that. But let us pray for his full recovery so he can get back to defending the Constitution. Speaking of the Supreme Court, 
uh, Biden Supreme Court nominee is going through um, the start of her Senate hearing today. She has to be confirmed by the Senate. She very likely will be confirmed by the Senate. It'll probably be bipartisan. However, there has been some troubling stuff come up about her record by Senator Josh Hawley and Christopher Rufo, whom we've had on this podcast several times, has also uh, brought up uh, some of her previous decisions and published writings that should perhaps make us question whether or not she truly is a partial judge. So we will get into that at some point this week, maybe tomorrow. And one more thing before we get started. So a lot of you asked me sincerely in good faith last week, my response to Dave Rubin's surrogacy announcement. And I put out a video last night that covers my thoughts on it. I will link it in the description to this episode. And for those of you who have already watched it, thank you so much for your kind words, for your encouragement. I got a lot of messages from people who disagreed with me but still appreciated the video or who maybe previously didn't see a problem with the announcement and then maybe changed their minds or they saw a different perspective. There were several people who, several conservatives who did congratulate Dave originally who reached out to me and thanked me for the video. I'm not taking, you know, I'm not patting myself on the back or anything like that. I just wanted to add clarity to a very confusing situation as someone who really respects Dave Rubin. I wanted to balance having integrity and staying true to my values and ensuring that I am representing what I believe to be true while also not compromising my respect for him as a person. And so hopefully, hopefully I um, accomplish that. Take a look at that video if you haven't already. There are other things that I could say about it, like more personal things for me as a mom, why the whole situation is is difficult for me. But I won't get into all of that. I think that the video does a good job of summing up the most important reasons why I could not congratulate him as much as I think that they're great people and as much as I will be praying for them and their children who are on the way. All right, let's get into Leah. Let's get into this Leah Thomas story. So again, he is a swimmer for the University of Pennsylvania. Um, he won the 500-yard freestyle first place at the NCAA Division One Women's Swimming and Diving Meet over the weekend, and this got a lot of press because there were protesters and there were former female athletes who were there. They were taking interviews and they were talking about their problems with what's going on. Um, And then there were also NCAA athletes who have finally spoken up about this. And, you know, this whole story, watching him win, compete against women, women who didn't really stand a chance against him in this particular event, it really just reminds us the reality of reality, the nature of reality. I like to say that it's like a beach ball. You can keep on trying to push it under the water. It's going to keep popping back up. That is the reality of human biology. And it's really crazy to see how the ACLU and other left-wing activist partisan organizations are trying to deny this. You're never going to be able to deny this. I'll pull up a picture if you're watching on YouTube. I can't I I couldn't figure out at first if this picture was real. So, you've got Leah Thomas. I mean, he's got to be over 
six feet tall. There is, I'm not trying to be rude. This is not making fun of someone's appearance because to say that a man looks like a man is not a derogatory statement. That's not mean. I am saying that a man looks like a man. I am not saying that he is ugly. I'm not saying anything like that, but there is nothing about him that looks female whatsoever. There's no part of this person's stature, no part of this person's countenance, no part of this person's makeup that looks female or feminine in any way. I mean, you're looking at someone who looks like he's over six feet tall. He obviously has broad shoulders. He has male muscles. He has a a large wingspan, large feet, longer legs. And as a male, we know that he has greater muscle mass. He has a bigger heart that can pump blood more quickly. He has a greater lung capacity that's anaerobic and aerobic capacity. All of these things make it very difficult for your average woman or even an elite woman to beat him in an event, especially when it comes to swimming. And so this picture, uh, you can see a lot of what I just described. So he is standing on the you know champion podium and then the women, the actual women who got second, third, and I guess fourth place. So that's Emma Wyant, Erica Sullivan, and Brooke Ford. They are all standing together, like lumped together on their own podium, holding their trophies and smiling for the camera. I'm not sure if they meant that as some kind of protest, but wow, this is such an iconic picture. Here you have a man who is basically competing against himself, and then you have the women who were really essentially competing against each other. And so in my mind, and in reality, Emma Wyant, who got second place, or Wayant, I'm not sure how to pronounce her last name, is the true champion here. There's no doubt about that. So on Friday night, Leah finished in fifth place in the 200-yard freestyle uh, final, an event he was favored to win with a time of 143.40. I don't really know anything about swimming. I'm sure that's really good. Now, let us remember that when Leah was Will, he was about 400th when it came to collegiate swimming um, among men. And look, that's really good. That means like he is an objectively good athlete. You have to be really good in order to make it uh, – you know, in college athletics and to be part of the first, you know, the the top 500 collegiate swimmers in the country, that's really good. But now he's number one. And all of the people saying so ridiculously that he's just a good athlete and this is what good athletes do. They win and we should applaud him. You're going to have to square that circle for me. You're telling me that him going on estrogen, which I guess he has for the past year and a half, him going on estrogen is like what made him a champion. Like he's just worked really hard over the past couple of years that put him at 400 to number one. Or maybe it is because he's competing against people who are much smaller and much weaker than him. I mean, these, I just, it's, it's like we are in the twilight zone, guys. It's like we are in the twilight zone. So uh, some people are using this as a way to prove that crazy point that he has no advantage, that he finished last place in the 100 freestyle final at the NCAA championships with a time of 48-18. And so you'll have people say, well, see, it is possible for him to lose. It's possible 
for a woman to beat him. Well, first of all, I'm not totally sure that's legit. There was a woman who was interviewed who was a college uh, uh, track star. I saw this on Twitter, and I don't know if I have the clip, so I can't pull it up right now. But she had to compete in college against um, a, a boy who was identifying as a girl. And she said that the thing that was so disheartening for her was while she was running, hearing the coach on the sidelines tell the guy who was identifying as a girl running in front of her to slow down. So there's also part of this. Now, I'm not saying that's what Leah Thomas did in this particular event. Like maybe he is just like really bad at the 100-yard freestyle. But that doesn't take away, again, the objective reality that men have an advantage over women. We've talked about that Duke University study. I can link it once again in the description of this episode uh, that showed the 10 to 12 point or 10 to 12 percent performance gap between elite women athletes, elite female athletes, and elite male athletes. And the gap still exists, but existed between non-elite male athletes and elite female athletes. They noted that Allison Felix, her she's an Olympian runner, her record, her fastest time was actually beaten tens of thousands of times. Actually, I think it was 15,000 times by men and hundreds of times by high school boys. So the fastest female runner in the world still isn't as fast as hundreds of high school boys. That's just what the data says. So even if there is some exception or some anomaly, even if Leah Thomas or any other man who identifies as a girl at one point, you know, uh, might uh, might lose uh, against a girl or a woman, that does not negate the reality of their biological advantage. I think the really sad part about this is not just that he took a title away from women, uh, but also that he knocked he he knocked other women he knocked another woman out of this competition because there were only sixteen spots and so the girl that came in seventeenth she wasn't able to compete in this competition because she was knocked out by Leah Thomas. Let me play you a clip of an interview between Savannah Hernandez. She does these man on the street interviews with an athlete who was at the event, protesting the event, speaking up about Leah Thomas competing and her description of a woman that she knows, a college woman that she knows, learning that she didn't make the cut because Leah Thomas was competing. You're a Virginia Tech swimmer. What did you think about Leah Thomas competing today as a swimmer in this competition? Um, What are you feeling? What are other athletes feeling? It's a common conception that we are all very disappointed and frustrated with someone who is has capabilities more than us women have to be able to compete at this level and take opportunities away from other women. Like I have a teammate who did not make finals today because she was just bumped out of finals. And it's heartbreaking to see someone who went through puberty as a male and has the body of a male be able to absolutely blow away the competition. And you go into it with a mindset that you are you don't have a chance if that makes sense. Like, it's hard to compete against someone with the aerobic capacity, the muscle development, the body of a man. It, it's hard. It's hard to think about it like that. And staying positive, I bet, for other swimmers who are in that uh, heat is probably overwhelming. I, I'm not sure. I can't speak for them, but 
it's disappointing to see and frustrating, definitely. And you said that one of your teammates was crying today because she didn't make the finals. Uh, you said that she was 17th yes. and there were 16 spots. Yes. So uh, Leah Thomas took one of those spots. Uh, talk to us about what your teammate uh, was going through and, and that experience. She was very emotional and it's hard to see because it's her last NCAAs and um, she really loves that race and it was just heartbreaking to see that she put all her effort into it today and when the best time that she's went in a morning session before and still not make it back. It, it, it's hard to see someone who works every day, every night, still not be able to compete against someone like that. So you've got these young women who have worked their whole lives for this, who have worked so hard. I mean, countless hours. I'm not an athlete. And so I only know from the outside the dedication and the time that is committed to these kinds of athletics, but I just can't imagine the disappointment and the discouragement and just how demoralized and helpless you feel because it's not only that, okay, you are unfairly kicked out of an event. It's that you can't even speak up about it without being demonized, without being villainized. We had Ainsley um, Arizon on our on our podcast a few weeks ago, Todd Arizon is her dad and he is on Steve Dace's podcast and she is going to run at the University of Arkansas next year. She's awesome. And she wrote an op-ed for the Des Moines Register just basically saying, look, I've worked my whole life to do this and it's not fair to make me or any female athlete compete against men. And the ugliness that they have received from her peers from random people on the internet. I mean, really just some of the most disgusting and disparaging threats and tweets and messages for her simply saying, hey, look, I want fair competition. I mean, that's really intimidating for people who are thinking of speaking up too. They want to be courageous. They want to speak up for what they know is true and right and fair, but they're scared too because they don't want to put themselves at risk. They don't want to put their family at risk. I mean, we're even talking about people's safety. Like when we're talking about people on campus who speak up about this stuff, I think they're truly afraid that activists could physically attack them or try to irreparably damage their reputation. That's a lot of pressure for a young person to take on. So for everyone who says, well, why don't women just boycott these events? Like, why don't more women just speak up about this? Why don't these college athletes do something? Look, I agree to an extent. I would love to see every female athlete just refuse to compete. Really, I think that's the only way that that this is going to change because you don't have sports. Like you don't have any competition if all of the women say, look, until I am no longer forced to compete against a man or a boy, I'm not competing at all. I agree that that could be effective, but I think we have to have some compassion for these women. Again, they're going through a lot. This is a lot of pressure. They're dealing with threats to their safety. And so I also don't want to put too much of an obligation on them. However, if you're listening to this and you are an athlete and you're good at organizing and you think you can rally the troops and you can perform some kind of walkout protest, then 
I say absolutely go for it. We like to say on this podcast that courage begets courage. Be the person who stands up and says something and says, this is wrong. I don't want to deal with this anymore. And then you, the next person, stand up and say, you know what? I see the arrows going your way. I'm going to share those arrows with you. And then it just goes on and on like a domino effect. That's what I would love to see happen here. But if that doesn't happen, if that can't happen, I think we have to be very slow to lay the responsibility at these girls' feet. I really wonder in some cases, like what the parents are doing, what the dads are doing. So often you do see moms speak up and say, this is not fair for my daughter. I think a lot of moms are scared to do that again. No one wants to be called the bigot. Our fear of name calling makes us so cowardly. But where are the dads? I know a lot of dads do. A lot of dads do speak up. And so I'm not saying that they never do. But man, and I know some people are going to say, oh, you're advocating for some kind of controlling patriarchy. But it seems to me like if all of the dads stood up and said, no, I'm sorry, my daughter's not competing. Like we're not we're not going to do this. We and the dads led the way in this kind of protest. That could also make a difference on every front line of the culture war. We need strong men and specifically strong dads, whether you're talking about this or you're talking about abortion. I just think it would make a huge difference if more men and more dads of these female athletes were speaking up. But there are there are some female athletes that in the face of very real danger who are finally saying, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm going to say something about this. So I want to read you some of the words of those women who are so bravely speaking up in just one second. Let me first tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is ancientlanguage.com or the Ancient Language Institute. I'm super excited about this sponsor. It's just a very cool resource that I know my audience specifically will really love. If you've ever wanted to read the Bible in its original languages, you're reading something, you're like, I wonder what that really means. That's a confusing passage that's happened to all of us. And maybe you've even considered, well, I uh, I want to go to I want to go to seminary to to figure all of that out to really understand the Bible. But maybe you don't have the time, you don't have the money to do that. Instead of spending all of your time and money at seminary, if all you want to do is just read the Bible in its original languages, just go to ancientlanguage.com/relatable. They run online classes for a fraction of the price of seminary, taught by people who can read, speak, and write in the ancient languages. They'll show you how to do the same. On the first day of class, you will be reading simple stories and having basic conversations in the language you want to learn. Also, if you're interested in um, learning Latin or another language. They also have some options for you as well. Of course, uh, the classes focus on learning Hebrew and Greek. So super helpful to help us really understand the context of the Bible and what scripture is really saying. If you go to ancientlanguage.com slash relatable, you can save 10% on tuition with the coupon code relatable. And if you're interested in the ancient Greek of Homer or Plato, they've got something for you too. Go to visit, or so go visit ancientlanguage.com slash relatable coupon code relatable for 10% off. That's ancientlanguage.com slash relatable. Mary Margaret Olihan works for The Daily Wire now, and I just love her. She's a great follow. She's a great journalist. She's just really strong on the things that matter. So I encourage you to go follow her. She has been posting these letters, these open letters, these public letters that have been published by some NCAA 
athletes. And so she published a letter by the athlete that was pushed out of the competition who came in 17th um, because Leah Thomas took her spot. So let me read you some of what she said. She posted this on Instagram. She said, my name is Reka Georgi from Hungary. I'm a 2016 Rio Olympian, represented Virginia Tech for the past five years, a two-time ACC champion, two-time All-American, and three-time honorable mention All-American, wrote Virginia Tech swimmer Rika Georgi. Uh, With all due respect, I would like to address something that is a problem in our sport right now and hurting athletes, especially swimmers. Everyone has heard and known about transgender swimmer Leah Thomas, and I'll just say Georgi is using she, her pronouns. I'm sure, you know, I think a lot of these people, they're scared that using male pronouns is going to take away from the crux of their message. And so they just kind of go ahead and give that point and like seed that ground so that people can focus on the unfairness, which is the argument that they're making, which I understand. So when I am quoting her, I am using she, her pronouns for Leah Thomas, even though that's not something I do. So Georgi says, in her case, including all the issues and concerns that her situation brought into our sport, she is doing what she is passionate about and deserves that right. But on the other hand, I would like to critique the NCAA rules that allow her to compete against us who are biologically women. I'm writing this letter right now in the hopes that the NCAA will open their eyes and change these rules in the future. It doesn't promote our sport in a good way, and I think it is disrespectful against the biologically female swimmers who are competing in the NCAA. I'm a fifth-year senior. I've been top 16 and top eight before, and I know how much of a privilege it is to make the finals and to meet this big. This is my last college meet ever, and I feel frustrated. It feels like the final spot was taken away from me because of the NCAA's decision to let someone who is not biologically female compete. I know you could say I had the opportunity to swim faster and make the top 16, but this situation makes it a bit different, and I can't help but be angry or sad. It hurts me and other women in the pool. One spot was taken away from the girl who got ninth in the 500 free and didn't make it back to uh, the A final, preventing her from being an All-American. Every event that transgender athletes competed in was one spot taken away from biological females throughout the meet. Yorgi noted that the NCAA knew what was coming this past week. They knew opinions and minds will be divided and chose to do nothing. This week has been more about reporters, media, and division in our sport than things like two women going going under 21 seconds in the 50 freestyle, three women going under 50 seconds in the 100 butterfly, and the first woman in history to go under 48 seconds in the 100 backstroke. I ask that the NCAA takes the time to, uh, takes the time to think about all other the other biological women in swimming. Try to think about how they would feel if they would be in our shoes. Make the right changes for our sport and for a better future in swimming. Yes and amen. I am so glad that she is saying something. It's going to require a lot more people standing up, sharing those arrows and being courageous in saying something. Look, I don't know if that will make a difference. Unfortunately, these institutions are completely dominated by a postmodern, stupid ideology that rejects the idea of truth. Now, not all of the people in those institutions making these decisions that are made at the expense of women and girls are actually ideologically left-wing. They're just scared. They're scared. Maybe money is on the line, and so they're grifters. Most people just don't have moral fortitude in general. Most people really do just go along to get along. They really do just let themselves be tossed on the winds of change and don't take 
even a second to think, is this a good change? Is this right? Who is on the other side of this change? They just believe propaganda. They believe what the mainstream media says. They don't question popular narratives. And I think a lot of people honestly don't even let themselves question popular narratives because if you let yourself question a popular narrative, I think we discussed this last week, then you might feel pressure or obligation to speak up against a popular narrative. And guess what? You're going to be called a bigot. You're going to be called a racist. You're going to be called a homophobe. You're going to be called a transphobe. And that's why I've said in the past, and of course, left-wingers think this is so ridiculous when I say this, but that's because it you know, takes an arrow out of their quiver. You just have to not care. You just have to not care about being called a phobe if what you're saying is true. If what you're saying is true and if what you're saying is necessary and you are speaking up on behalf of people who are being damaged and victimized by these cultural, political and social changes, then it doesn't really matter what you're called. Of course, people who deny reality are going to hate what you say. Remember what we said in that Beckett Cook interview that Jesus and Stephen is also described this way in the Bible full of grace and truth. And a lot of times we think that if, okay, we police our tone enough, if we use enough caveats, if we're nice enough, if we're sweet enough about what we say, then the world will still love us when we're speaking truth, when we are either saying that the biology of male and female is real, or when we're speaking up about the horror of abortion, or when we're saying the most controversial truth, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one will come to the Father except through him then maybe people will will like us and they won't hate us so much. You know, they won't persecute us like they persecute other people. And then we look at, you know, other messengers of of those controversial topics who are getting lambasted and we say, oh, it's because they didn't say it the right way. It's because their tone wasn't exactly right. It's because they weren't sweet enough or they weren't polite enough. Guys, Jesus and Stephen both, full of grace and truth, Scripture tells us, what was their fate? Jesus and Stephen were both executed. Jesus was crucified on a cross and Stephen was stoned to death. And so being full of grace and truth does not guarantee that you are going to get a good response. And people's response to you, them calling you names or not, is is not indicative of whether or not what you're saying is right. If what you're saying is true, and if what you're saying is necessary, which I think in this case it absolutely is, then it really doesn't matter the pushback or the reaction that you get. It doesn't matter if you're ratioed on Twitter. It doesn't matter if people send you mean messages. It doesn't matter if people try to exile you from polite society. It doesn't matter. What you're saying is worth it because the truth is always worth it. And so I really commend Rika. I really commend the other swimmers. I really commend the protesters that were at this event. One thing that I was really impressed by that when Savannah and I think Mary Margaret as well was out there, they were interviewing these women who were protesting Leah Thomas competing and they refused to call him she. And that seems like a really little thing, but guys, conservative outlets conservative news outlets all the time are now using female pronouns for males who identify as women. And I think a really good question for us to ask is why it, why is that the journalistic standard when I thought that all journalists with integrities were told not to lie? Like, why is that the one lie that we are allowed to tell? Because a man calls himself a, a woman, we're supposed to use the term she, her. So now we're just allowed 
to lie because it's politically incorrect to tell the truth? Is that what journalism is? And so it actually does take courage. And I think it matters. I think it matters to use the correct pronouns for someone because if you use the incorrect pronouns, um, like for example, the leader of CPAC, Matt Schlapp did the other day when he was talking about this subject, then you have just seeded the entire conversation. You are saying that it is actually possible for so-called gender identity to trump biology. And if you call a man she, then why can't that man go into a girl's bathroom? Why can't that man then compete against women? The language actually matters. The left understands this way better than the right. The left is always trying to shift and evolve the definitions of words so that they can accomplish the things that they want to accomplish. They use euphemisms like reproductive justice, for example, to try to then paint anyone who would stand against that, which is actually abortion, um, as someone who stands with injustice. It's just what they do. And so we have to be very careful, I think, about the language that we use. And so I commend, I commend the women who refused to call Leah Thomas a she. I think that's really, really important. Um, I've got a couple more things to say. Let me pause and tell you about our second sponsor for the day. The second sponsor is Hunter Douglas. So if you are trying to up your design game, if you need new shades and you just want your house to look super classy, then you need to check out Hunter Douglas. They can help you. Uh, they can help you live well with their innovative window shade designs, their gorgeous fabrics, control systems that are so advanced they can be scheduled to automatically adjust to their optimal position throughout the day. Perhaps it's the way the shades diffuse harsh sunlight to cast a beautiful glow across the room or being able to enjoy the view outside the window while protecting your privacy inside. Or maybe it's the superior insulation the shades provide that makes Hunter Douglas the best. Uh, they've got power view technology so that your shades can be automatically repositioned uh, for the perfect balance of light, privacy, and insulation morning, noon, and night. You can save a whole lot of money on that energy bill, especially as we are heading into the summer. That's something that we all have to think about. So live beautifully with Hunter Douglas, enjoying greater convenience, enhanced style, and increased comfort in your home throughout the day. Visit HunterDouglas.com slash today for your free style. Get smarter design guide with fresh takes, creative ideas, and smart solutions for dressing your windows. That's HunterDouglas.com slash for your free design guide. HunterDouglas.com slash All right, so I just wanted to know a couple more things. I thought that... Caitlyn Jenner had an interesting tweet. Obviously, we know Caitlyn Jenner was Bruce Jenner tried now presents as a woman. And I'm sure someone told him to write this tweet. It's just kind of crazy. So Pink News tweeted, Caitlyn Jenner launches yet another disgraceful attack on trans athletes without a hint of irony. I just want to know like what the irony is, first of all, because... Bruce competed against men. He competed against men. He didn't. It would be one thing if he had transitioned and tried to be a woman and compete against other women's uh, other women's other women back in the day. But at least he is acknowledging the difference. And he said this, which this is like the ironic kind of funny part. And maybe don't listen to this if you have kids in the car. He said, no, I just had the balls to stand up for women and girls in sports. Now, I think that's probably just a tweet to try to get conservatives on his side. You know, he was running for a governor of California. 
as a Republican. And so he's really tried to kind of like walk the line on walk the line on this one. Although I do I do respect him and appreciate him continuing to stand up for women's sports, even though people who share his stated identity would typically not do so. People who are able to kind of separate their own personal experiences and feelings from objective reality, even though I don't agree him trying to project his personal feelings on other people, I appreciate his ability to separate and still see objective reality about the differences in biology and stand up for that. I think there's certainly something to be said for that. All right, I want to read one more story from The Daily Wire. It's a disturbing story. It goes along with the subject that we're talking about, and it goes along with what we talked about a lot, about how the progressive ideology, especially the gender ideology, really it, it really is predatory, and it banks on the predation of children in order to be perpetuated. It is very cult-like in that way. So let me read you this disturbing story. It's just a reminder of how careful we have to be that the world does not love our children, that secular society, that society in general doesn't love our children, that the state doesn't care about our children. That is why God gave children their parents. And we have to take this job so seriously. So here's the title of this article. There's no coexisting with evil like this. Leading Children's Hospital offers advice for boys to tuck their genitals out of sight. Demonic. That is demonic. If you are on this site, this is the thing. Before I even get into this article, I know there are a lot of Christians who try to say that this subject is so, you know, it's so nuanced. We need to respect people's stated identity. I don't even think that you realize the level of demonic activity that is to play here. I don't think that you realize, and there's, I'm going to have an episode that's going to uncover a lot of this stuff that I've been researching actually with the help of, or because of a feminist who I don't agree with on a lot of stuff, but is doing a lot of work to uncover the industry that is preying upon children when it comes to gender transitioning and stuff. I don't even think you realize the level of depravity and darkness that exists in this. There's just not a whole lot of nuance. And in being rude, and I use scare quotes in speaking the truth about this subject, what we are actually doing is trying to uh, trying to save people out of a destructive lifestyle and ideology. It's the most loving thing we can possibly do. I mean, just listen to this. And if you don't just feel a pit in your stomach and an urge to start speaking the truth and speaking out about this, I really don't know what to tell you. This is about as dark as it gets. So uh, Dern Becker Children's Hospital in Portland, which bills itself as Oregon's top-ranked children's hospital, boasts a gender clinic, which offers advice for the safe tucking of a boy's genitals out of the way that can make the genital area look smoother. And f- I am having a hard time. I'm having a hard time even reading this without crying. Smoother and flatter, as well as a referral to a sex-positive shop in Portland. They sell gender-affirming clothing items, as well as sex toys, videos, and more. Guys, there is something about this ideology and about this transgender movement that seems to be, I'll just say it, inextricably intertwined with sexualization and the sexualization of children. Because we keep seeing this correlation popping up over and over again. And it's hard not to see it as a pattern. 
that at the same time that they're trying to encourage boys to tuck away the genitals that God gave them, they are sending them to a shop that has sex toys, I guess, pornographic videos and more. Like, are we starting to see a pattern here? Unfortunately, I think we are. Unfortunately, I think we are. So here's what the gender gender clinic states. Safe tucking. What is tucking? Tucking is moving the penis testicles or both out of the way. This makes the genital area look smoother and flatter. Tucking can reduce any concerns you have about your body. Okay, are we even thinking about how this is actually physically harmful for these boys? I can't imagine that this is good for them. There are several different methods of tucking. The information below helps you tuck in ways that are safe for your body. Don't believe it because these are the same kind of people who say abortion is safe. Abortion literally murders a child. So I don't believe that this is safe in any way. The information uses the words penis, scrotum, and testicles. We know you may not use those terms or identify with them. We use them here to refer to body parts that people with tucking needs have while understanding those words are not for everyone. Um, and then it gives advice on how to do that, when to do that, where to where to do that. Talks about using tape. I mean, how young are we talking here? This is a children's hospital, so I'm guessing below the age of 12. I mean, these people should be put in prison. The fact that we live in a society where these people are not just allowed to uh, live among us freely, but are also paid and celebrated to do this. Like, how have we not been destroyed by God already? Wow, God is exceedingly, exceedingly patient, far more patient than I think that any of us have even realized. I mean, is this even as bad as Sodom and Gomorrah? I mean, surely there was less evil happening at the time of the flood than this. Of course, God promised that he would never flood the earth again. But still, I mean, how are we not incurring the absolute wrath of God at this very moment? It has to just be that God's grand plan of redemption and his desire to get the glory and to draw people to himself is is allowing him to be patient with us because we deserve, these people deserve every bit of fiery wrath that is coming for them. I cannot it's hard for me to imagine a much greater evil than this. And so it describes the tape that is supposed to be used, um, talks about how to tape uh, the testicles and all different kinds of things. That, honestly, I don't even want to read, but it goes, it says you should not feel faint or nauseated or have extreme pain. If you do take a break and try again later. This children's hospital says the handout warns once the testicles are tucked, pull the peanut. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. I can't read the rest of it. I can't. I'm sorry. I feel like I already read too much. I, I, again, the thing, the only thing that comforts me when I read this kind of thing, all of this that we're talking about is so demonic. It goes against God's created order. Um, The only thing that comforts me in all of this is that one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to deal with evil. And he's going to deal with wickedness once and for all. And that this kind of sin, this kind of iniquity and travesty will not reign anymore. And that he will one day destroy it all. And he will destroy all evildoers. And he will reign in perfect justice, in perfect peace forevermore. I mean, those who think that God is not wrathful and that he's not going to take care of evil, like where is your hope? How do you deal with the evil that goes on in the world? Like how do you deal with abuse like this 
If not, by comforting yourself with the knowledge that in God's sovereignty and goodness and in his commitment to justice, he is going to take care of evil once and for all. But bef- until that happens, like we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. You need to stop messing around with thinking that we can nuance our way out of these tough conversations about gender. We do not even understand the darkness and the depravity and the child predation that is going on in this industry and in this movement. I'm not saying that every person who is a part of this movement Every person who identifies as transgender or even most people who identify as transgender are part of what we're talking about or condone what we're talking about. But the industry itself, the movement itself, it is so dark. It is so absolutely nefarious. And so we need to, as lovingly and as boldly as we possibly can, continue to speak up against this, to push back against this. At every single term, these children are worth it. The people whose lives are being destroyed, whose bodies are being destroyed at such a young age, they're absolutely worth it. If the church is not for this, if this is not one of the purposes uh, of the church, then man, I don't know what is. There are a lot of different things that the church is for, absolutely, but it has to also be uh, to be a refuge of clarity and of courage and of truth in times of absolute chaos and immorality. So let us be that. Um, all right, let me tell you about our last sponsor for the day. Then I just got one more thing to say. Last sponsor for the day is Birch Gold. Sometimes the transitions, you know, there's just no smooth way to do this. But let me tell you about Birch Gold. So you know that inflation is out of control. We are paying 47% more for gas than we were last year, 41% more for the same used vehicle if you buy it this year instead of last. And it looks like paying almost 10% more to feed your family. It looks like every dollar in your savings is worth less than it was a year ago. So you've got to invest or you've got to hedge against the US dollar by investing in something with real value. And that is gold and silver from Birch Gold. Precious metals have historically been a safe haven in times of inflation. Birch Gold is the leader in converting IRAs and 401ks into a tax-sheltered IRA backed by gold and silver. Text Ally to 989-898 to get a free info kit on gold. There's no obligation to get this info. If you just want to learn more for free, text Ally to 989-898. That's Ally to 989-898 to get your free info kit now. Again, Ally to 989-898. All right, tomorrow, I believe that we are going to talk about the Walt Disney Company's employee walkout in protest of the company not taking a strong enough stance against the parental rights and education bill, which is HB 1557 in Florida. Critics dub it the Don't Say Gay bill. We have debunked all of the propaganda on that bill several times. We can link um, a past episode on that. I've also got a a video on my Instagram talking about that. And we're going to talk about what that all means. I've got a column coming out for World Magazine on it tomorrow. So I think we are going to cover that tomorrow and send me some ideas of things that you would like me to address this week and we'll try to get to them. And if you love this podcast, leave us a five-star review wherever you listen and subscribe on YouTube and we will see you back here tomorrow. 